Where do you get your wisdom and knowledge for life? When you're trying to make a decision, who do you turn to? When you are seeking truth, is Google your primary source of information? Well, today I want to discuss how God actually wants to be our primary source that we turn to in order to find wisdom, knowledge, make decisions in life, and discover all truth. Stay tuned for more about how to hear the voice of God in your personal life. What is God saying to you in your life? That's one of my favorite questions to ask in a conversation. I believe that God is always speaking to us intimately and sharing with us things that we all need to hear in life. So I love to ask that question. But oftentimes I think that everyone doesn't understand how to hear the voice of God for their life. And so today we're going to discuss some key verses that share with us God's desire and God's purpose to share with us intimately his words for our life. The first scripture that I wanted to share with us is found in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Exodus is the narrative of Israel's deliverance from Egypt by the hand of God. And as God delivers them through this experience by his own hand, it teaches us a lot of how God desired to have a relationship with a people and particularly individuals themselves. One individual that I'm going to talk about quite extensively is Moses himself. In chapter 33 of Exodus, we see in verse 11, these words that really inform us about this relationship that God had with Moses. It reads to us, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a friend would speak face to face. Now that's very, very self-explanatory. What we see in that verse is that God wasn't speaking high in a mountain you know, to Moses. He didn't hear voices that came out of the sky. What it actually is trying to convey to us is that God was personal with Moses. In the same way, we're going to talk about quite extensively how God desires to be personal with us as well. It's going to be different than how he was personal with Moses, but the reality still stands true that God desires to have a personal communicative um, opportunity to speak to us face to face. The second thing that I wanted to share with us about this relationship that God had with the children of Israel is actually now found in verse 27 of chapter 34. And in that verse, it reads, the Lord said to Moses, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Now, when you think about that word covenant, you know, you probably may have already known that this is about the Ten Commandments. It's about the words that Moses received when he was in this personal relationship with God. And as he received these words, it informs us that God also desires us to give us a, a certain kind of knowledge that is found in a certain set of books. You know, today we call it the Bible, but, then, but back then they would actually call it the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, which actually informed the children of Israel of all the plans all the ideas, all the laws that God actually had for them in their life. And that was supposed to be a guide for them to actually live out the rest of their days um, if they did not have a personal encounter with God himself. Well, as we begin to turn the page into the New Testament, Jesus Christ now comes on the scene. And as Jesus Christ comes on the scene, he gives us an opportunity to have a personal relationship with God, to hear his voice on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I wanted to share with us a few verses of scripture to show us just how important and just how um, 
real and necessary it is for us to have the words of God in our life. The first scripture that I wanted to share with us is found in John chapter 6. He spoke these words in verse 66 of John chapter 6. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And here's where Simon Peter says to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words to eternal life. So the very first thing that I want to lay out, the very first thing that I think that we should all grasp about the words of God is that they are the words that actually lead us to eternal life. This is the very most important thing that we'll ever hear. The greatest thing that you'll hear today, if you're listening to anything by anybody, is that we have words that come from Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal life. It means that when you and I hear that he came into this world, he died and was buried and was raised again. He did it because our sins needed to be saved. And once we believe that Jesus Christ did those things to save us from sin, to save us from eternal damnation, we receive eternal life. Those are great words because they are eternal. They're words that not are just good for the 50 years that we live on this earth, the seven years, the 70 years that we live on this earth, the 100 years that we possibly can live on this earth. But they are eternal words, meaning that for all of life, will be able to live eternally with God. And so that's why those words are so important. There's no other source, no other way where words will actually give us a place to actually lead to eternal life. The second benefit of God's word that I wanted to share with us today is found in Colossians chapter two, verse three. In Colossians chapter two, verse three, it begins to read by saying that in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, if you're at home with me, you know, you can still say this out loud. I want you to say all. You know, all means that there is nothing missing. There is not one aspect, but this verse of scripture that says, in Christ Jesus himself is found all wisdom and all knowledge. There's nothing missing. He has himself contained all things. And so if you and I are looking for wisdom, if you're not looking for knowledge, it is found in Christ Jesus. There's other scriptures that actually tell us that the foundations of the world were created by him and for him. So he is the foundation of God. He is the Jesus Christ is the foundation of true knowledge, of true wisdom that we actually need uh, in our lives. The third benefit that I now wanted to share with us about God's word is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It reads, his divine power has granted to us all things, that's at all again, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, what I love about this verse is that it tells us again, all things, and that in his divine power, we have access to all things knowledgeable for life and godliness. Now, what's really, really good about this is that it doesn't just tell us about church life. It doesn't tell us about just spiritual things. It says that God's knowledge gives us access to the things that we need to know in all areas of life and all areas of godliness. So if you're like me, I need knowledge in every single area of life. I need knowledge when I need to figure out how to be a better husband. I need knowledge in life when I need to figure out how to actually financially succeed in life. I need knowledge when I need to learn how to be a better friend. I need knowledge where I want to figure out where I should live in life. Everything in life takes knowledge. So God is actually telling you and I, that he is a source. He is the greatest source 
for you and I to find wisdom, to find knowledge, to find decision-making ability for every single area of life. And that's why it's so important that we actually have this discussion today, because we go through a lot of things in life where we don't have the adequate knowledge that is necessary to actually lead the life that God desires us to have. But he's now giving us this opportunity. Well, I wanted to pause now for a second because I wanted to share with you how I understand hearing any voice in life. You know, I've known my wife for at least 10 years now, and I remember the very first time that I actually heard her voice. You know, she has a distinct voice, so I would know her in a crowd of 100 very, very easily. You know, but also not only do I know her voice, but I also know her personality and the character of her voice. And here's, here's what I mean by that. If there is a new cookie place in our city or if there's a new cupcake place in our city, I understand my wife's personality and character so much that I'm pretty sure within a week's time, she's going to be at that store. I'm going to look at my phone. I'm going to get a text message or she's going to call me telling me that she is there and she's going to ask me if I want her to bring me something back home. I know her personality and I know her character. I know the things that she is typically going to say about certain areas of life. I also know that if I'm on I-45 and we're either driving to or from Houston and we pass Corsicana, Texas, my wife's going to look at me if I'm driving and actually say, can we stop at Collins Street Bakery because I want to buy a dozen of Icebox Cherry Cookies. And that's, that's who my wife is. She loves those cookies. Those are her favorite cookies. So I know that that's her personality and character. I'm sharing those things because God is the same way. In order for us to understand the voice of God, we've got to either hear his voice personally and know what it sounds like in the midst of other voices. And also, we need to know the personality and the character of his voice so that when life actually presents itself, we know how to discern. Here's what God would either say or typically say in that situation to help us to understand both the voice of God, what it sounds like, and also the personality and character of God we have received what's called the Holy Spirit. Now, I wanted to share that for us in John chapter 16, verse 7 first, because here in this verse, Jesus Christ discusses and shares with the disciples that it was needed for him to actually leave, because right now he was the voice of God for them. He was the one that was doing all great wisdom, wisdom that no one had ever heard before, uh, wisdom so great that people wondered who could this man possibly be. I thought he was just a carpenter, but no, we understand that Jesus Christ is greater than just a carpenter. Also, he was the one that was doing the miracles and he was doing the great signs. So he's expressing the image of God in a physical form. But that's the whole key. When Jesus Christ was expressing the image of God in the physical form, he had a limited capacity of who he could actually share God's word with and do miracles with. It was only limited to the people around him. So in verse 7 of John chapter 16, here's what Jesus Christ says. In verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit has this unique ability to be able to not just be present with one person or in one city or in one community or in one state, but the Holy Spirit can be present everywhere. So it's very necessary for Jesus Christ to be able to share with us that even though I'm doing these great things in the midst of you right now, it is necessary for me to go away because I'm going to send someone to you who's going to speak to you, who's going to guide you, who's going to share with you things that I'm doing today just in a different capacity where everybody can actually experience God at the same time. And as the Holy Spirit is present in our life, 
He is always going to have a voice and a personality that sounds like these three keys. The very first key that I'm going to give you about the personality and character of God is that he's always going to convict us of sin. And that's found in John chapter 16, verse 8. Let me read it for you. And it says, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And so what that tells you and I is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell us about sin. He doesn't just put sin on a plate before us. What the Holy Spirit does is that he convicts us of sin. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit will grieve us of sin, meaning that we won't feel good about doing things that are not right. Instead, we will actually be convicted. We will be sorrowful. We will want to change that situation in our life. And many people don't have that kind of conviction in their life. And I was reminded this week of uh, in the early 2000s, you know, there came a a reality and a, a swarm of people who actually wanted to just put out sex tapes. You know, they put out these tapes because they believed that it was going to lead them to the fame and the fortune that they desired in life. You know, there was no conviction of sin. They didn't realize that sexual immorality was something that was against the plan of God. Yet and still, they desired to put these things out without shame, without guilt, without any regard to what we would call modern day decency. So when we think about the conviction of sin, you know, God really says to us, those are the things that you should actually be doing in your life. You know, when we're talking to people in a way that's not quite appropriate, you know, deep in our belly of our heart, you know, God's going to be speaking to us and say, that's not what you should be saying. Now, when we're moving and doing things in life, either in our body or against God, the conviction of sin is going to tell us, you know, within us that that's not really the direction that we should be moving in life. And that is really, really important to know that for the rest of of our life in this body, that we will have God himself speaking to us, guiding us away from the sinful things in life into a life of righteousness of where he desires us to be. The second thing that I wanted to share with us is found in verse 13. The second key to what the personality and character of God's voice sounds like is that the spirit of truth, when he comes, it says that he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And what he declares to you will be things that are to come. That's verse 13 in John chapter 16. And what that really says to us is that God will use the Holy Spirit that is within us to begin guiding us into all the truth. You know, I love the fact that it says all truth. So when the Holy Spirit is described as the spirit of truth, it's giving us a clue. It's giving us an understanding that he is the one who is going to be able to give us access to all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the decision making that we actually need in our life. And uh, as you think about the spirit of truth as well, we understand there's a lot of things that God has already written in his biblical book called the Bible that gives us truth. But also the Holy Spirit will prompt us and guide us. It will be able to discover and reveal things to us about God's biblical truth that is necessary for our lives. A good friend of mine said something that maybe you have heard before. He said that God gives us two ears and one mouth. And that should indicate and show us that we should be doing more listening than talking sometimes. And so I bring that up because I wanted to remind us that when we are in a relationship with God, oftentimes we use our relationship as a one-way vehicle of conversation from us to him. Meaning that when we get into our prayer room, we talk a lot about the things that we desire. We talk a lot about the things that we want to say to God and the things that we want to ask him about or even confess about. But I also want to share with us, because of this this great statement that we have two ears and, and one mouth. It's an illustration for us that we, sometimes we should be doing more listening, not just with people, but with God himself. 
And so when we get into our prayer rooms, you know, we should think about, you know, am I spending a sufficient amount of time to be able to listen to God, to hear what he's saying in my life? And I'm really encouraging us today to understand that to hear God's word, to hear God's voice is to begin to engage in his personality and character. That means that we should know his biblical truth. You know, when I think about understanding his biblical truth, it informs me. It informs all of us to know God in a greater way. Because once we begin to understand God and what he says in his biblical truth, we can actually begin to see how the Holy Spirit will direct us in certain areas of our life. You know, now as a husband, you know, I understand that God is actually calling me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I understand that through the biblical truth, that what that means is that Christ died and that he gave himself as a sacrifice of his life so that the church could actually live a greater life for all of eternity. But I also know that through the Holy Spirit that actually starts to speak to me and guide me in the area of my personal life with my wife. Doesn't mean that I'm supposed to sacrifice my physical life and die for her, you know, so that is an expression of love. But it also shows me that every single day, I can be a man who is a servant leader. I can be loving my wife with an aspect of love in the same kind of way that Jesus was sacrificial for the benefit of the church itself. You know, I'm also reminded when I think about understanding God's biblical truth and how the Holy Spirit can begin to guide my life. I'm reminded of how I tried to seek out a wife uh, to be with for the rest of my life. And I remember that I, I looked at a passage of scripture in Genesis, and it was a story of Abraham and how he was seeking for a mate for his son, Israel. And as he sought this mate, you know, for his son, he told his servant to go back to my homeland, go back to the people that we know and actually find my son a wife. And as you find her, you know, here's some characteristics that you should actually look at. And I looked at those characteristics, and one of the things that I noticed about this woman is that she was actually serving her family. And I always use that as a guidance for what I thought was necessary for me. You know, maybe it's not for you, but for me as a, as a man in a relationship with a woman is a, is a woman who would actually serve her family. And so I thought it was really telling. You know, when I met my wife and she started to tell me and reveal to me that she was quitting her job and she was going to go home and actually take care of her grandmother because she had dementia. I was like, man, that is the kind of spirit. That is the kind of thing that the scriptures were actually telling me that I should actually look for in a wife. And so it made my relationship to pursue her so much easier and so much um more spirit led by God that I knew that that was where I wanted to move in my life. Now, the third way that I wanted us to understand the personality and the character of God's word can be found in John chapter 17, verse 26. Here it reads, I made known to them, this is Jesus Christ speaking, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So one of the things that we see about the word of God is that it's supposed to teach us to love. And so when I think about the word teach us to love, you know, understand that God has given us the great Shema. He's given us an understanding that we are called to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul and all our strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is the great command of God that is supposed to be flowing out of our lives and out of our heart. So when you think about understanding that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us, he's going to guide us, he's going to show us how to love. He is going to help us to understand how to do those things in a greater way. And so I love to be able to examine myself, to be able to think about if I look at the mirror 
and see myself back through the biblical lens of God, I should be able to understand that the Holy Spirit should be teaching me how to love in a greater way. And so you and I can do the same thing so we can understand that if we are not loving the people that are unlovable around us, if we don't have a desire from the Holy Spirit that he's teaching us to reach people who are not like us, to try to build a kind of unity that is not unity in this country, then maybe there's something wrong with us. Maybe that the Holy Spirit is not teaching us and guiding us to a place of love that we desire to be because the world is different. You know, we understand that in the world that there's going to be divisions. There's going to be conflicts of people trying to have their own way. But what God's word through the Holy Spirit says is that I'm a person of unity. I will bring you together irrespective of backgrounds, irrespective of your political party, irrespective of your race. And so when the Holy Spirit is moving in our life, I really truly believe that we will be a person that always moves toward unity, that we will be a people that will demonstrate God because of the unity that we are actually seeking with one another. And that's love. That's what the Holy Spirit is actually intended to do in our life. So as we think about God's word and how it speaks to us, you know, that question, because what is God saying to you in our life? And as we think about what God is actually saying to us, he's probably going to speak one of two ways. He's going to speak to us based on the word of God as it's revealed to us in our heart. And then also the Holy Spirit is going to prompt us. The Holy Spirit is going to guide us in areas of our life that begins to be relevant to us as we make decisions, as we need wisdom, as we need knowledge, and as we need truth in all areas of life. Well, I wanted to pause a little bit. I just wanted to share how certain things have been moving in my heart this week to understand um, the word of God even better. You know, I had a great conversation with my wife that I wanted to share with y'all is that I've been married with her for five years and known her for another more five years. And one of the things that's always unique about my wife that I've quite never understood is that she asked me a lot of questions. You know, she will ask me what happened when I was three years old, what was my favorite food when I was three, uh, what things I like to do when I was four years old. She will ask me the depths of questions that I probably never thought about in 10 years amount of time. Well, this week I asked my wife, you know, why do you ask certain questions about my life? What, you know, what do you really want to know? And she gave me this beautiful answer that I thought was so relevant and so needful for us in this conversation about knowing God and hearing the voice of God. My wife said that she expects that in any relationships that she gets into with close people, that she understands that there should be an experience of honesty, there should be an experience of openness, and there should be a depth that actually is created because of that relationship. So that's honesty, depth, and openness. And as I thought about that, I really understood it in a greater way for very the first time. Because what I think about when I understand my relationship with Jesus Christ and my relationship with God is that I'm always trying to have an open, honest, and depthful conversation with God. You know, I want to know the depths of everything that God wants to know. I want to be open and honest and transparent with God. And I understand that he is willing to accept me at all of my faults and have that kind of relationship with me. And so it helped me to see how to practically live out this life with God from the perspective of how my wife is trying to get into a, a place of knowledge and a place of knowing with me that I think God desires us to know with him. And so you might be like me. Maybe you want to know God in that kind of depth. Um, and it will help your relationships in turn to know how to be in a depthful, honest and open relationship with another person. But maybe you're also like my wife who understands that relationships are key when there's honesty, when there's openness and when there's depth. And that will help you to see that God desires us 
to have that same kind of relationship with him. I'm already reminded of John chapter 17, verse two, that says that this is eternal life, that we may know God and we may know Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That shows us that God desires us to be open, to be honest, to go in depth with him for all of eternity. And then I'm also reminded of Psalm chapter 139, where God even tells us that he knows us before we were born. He knows our thought life. He knows our personality because he created it. And I believe that God desires us to have that same kind of depth and relationship with him. He's he's inviting us to have that experience by knowing his word, but then also using the Holy Spirit that is indwelled within us to actually go into a greater depth. So as we're talking about the benefits of the Holy Spirit, how it is part of God's plan for us to hear his voice intimate in our life, one of the questions that we may have and that we always have to discuss is how we receive this Holy Spirit. And so as we think about that, that reality, I want us to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, because the Apostle Peter gives us this direction. He says to a crowd of people who may have had that same question, that the very first thing that we must do is repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And all that essentially means is that once we believe that Jesus Christ came in this world, so that we can believe on him for the forgiveness of sin, that he died and was buried and was raised again. Once we believe his truth, that God will enable us to actually receive the Holy Spirit. You know, oftentimes that happens immediately when we get baptized, you know, because we are confessing to God our sin. We are confessing that Jesus Christ is real. We're confessing that we believe that he raised from the dead. And that experience enables us to have a new beginning in God when we begin to receive the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage us today that the essence of our faith, that we believe in the work of Christ Jesus, is how we receive the Holy Spirit. As long as we are doing that key element, God will promise to bring that Holy Spirit in our life. What I now wanted to share with us is uh, some keys. I wanted to build our faith in how to build this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And one of the first things that I wanted to share with you and to discuss is by turning to Galatians chapter 3 and reading for you verse 24. That's Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. And what that passage tells us is some beautiful knowledge, some beautiful understanding about the relationship of the law of God and the relationship that we now have with God himself because of Christ Jesus. What it says is that the law itself was a tutor for us. It was a guide for us. It was a way for us to understand a little bit about the personality and the character of God. When you think about the Ten Commandments, it tells us some important things that God wants us to know and understand, that we shall not commit adultery, we shall not murder, we shall not kill, we shall not steal. That gives us a guidepost. It gives us an understanding about some of the things that are important to God. But also, What these scriptures say to us in verse 24 is that those scriptures, those commandments were just a tutor. But now that Christ has come, he has given us something that's greater than a tutor. And I reminded us that that's the Holy Spirit. He's given us an understanding to know all the truth of God. You know, another scripture that is really important to think about is found in Romans chapter 8 and uh, verses 1 through 5. It has some great meat. I want to focus on verses four and five, but I'm going to read starting at verse one to give us a great context. It says that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened 
by our flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, he condemned, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, here's where I want to focus on in verse four. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the spirit. And that is so key for us to understand the same thing that Galatians says in chapter 3, verse 24, that the law was powerless to help us to understand the full bounty and the full promises that God desires for us. But the Spirit himself can actually begin to speak to our heart, to guide our heart, to give us the things that we actually desire in life. And that was always God's promise. It was always God's promise for us to actually walk with God, talk with God, and to be part of his life in a healthy, uh, heart-on-heart kind of manner. And one of those scriptures that shows that it was always God's desire to be speaking to our life on a daily and consistent way is found in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 12. And I want to read that for you. And it says that I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. You know, that is showing you and I that God always desired to give us the wisdom, to give us the knowledge, to give us the decision making that we need in the areas of our life. He doesn't just want us to understand that he is some sort of commandment that we should follow, but he desires to be personal with us. You know, today I'm reminded of a hymn that I learned when I was a little boy that said something like this, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. You know, those words are true for those who desire to have this personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. They are words that helps us to have a conversation where we can engage with people and ask them, what is God saying to you in your life? Because he is speaking to us. He is real and he wants to engage in us in a real way. And so if you want to ask me today, what is God saying to you or what is God saying to me? He is asking us to draw closer to him. He is asking us to walk with him, to talk with him, and to let us know that we are his own. And as we begin to talk with him, God will give us the truth. He will give us the knowledge. He will give us the wisdom that we need in every single area of our life. He will enable us to make the decisions that we need to make for life decisions that seem insurmountable, that seems impossible to make on our own, because we'll have God within us beginning to guide us and tell us what to do and where to go in life. Well, if this message has been a blessing to you, I'd love for you to go out to our website at www.commonbondchurch.org and fill out a comment card. Let us know what this message is saying to you, speaking to you in your heart, and how you would like to get connected with us in a greater way. I'd also like to present to you an opportunity if you have a prayer request to go to that same website, fill out a prayer request card, and actually let us know how we can actually be praying for you. We love to stay connected with you in any way that you desire and in any way that we can be involved in your life. I can't wait to share another message and another topic with you one more time next week. Have a great day. Amen.